Hi guys, KO here. You are on Turmeric and Tequila, where we are working to inspire a positive, radical social evolution through gracefully disruptive conversations. As you know, today we've got an incredible open mic session with Tiger Taylor. He is the founder of Holy Kicks. Uh, their mission is walking with those experiencing economic disparity. Uh, they work to pass out new shoes to those in need and work to develop relationships around that in being support um, as community members. It's a pretty incredible story that Tiger has in his mission and his journey. Um, it is one that he not only wants to be in the mix of finding the solution, but be in the mix of the community he's trying to help. It's pretty rare and it's pretty inspiring. Lean in all the way to the end where Tiger really highlights getting back to that human base, that human emotion, and really embracing how to listen and how to support one another. Particularly in times like these, we really need this kind of message and people like Tiger with his mission and what he's doing. Enjoy. This was an incredible one. Tiger, I can't say enough good things about you and what you're doing for this world. I'm inspired to up my human game all the way around, and I can't wait to see how we can help Holy Kicks further their mission and their agenda. Enjoy this one. Cheers. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Questioning a better way, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. Today is a very special one. We've got Open Mike with Tig, Tiger Taylor, uh, the founder of Holy Kicks, a 501c3 nonprofit here in uh, Aurora, Colorado, my home space. I went to Eagle Crest High School, shout out. Uh, Tig and I met at Bladium CrossFit, and you know I love my fellow CrossFit humans because it's such a phenomenal filter. Uh, and you don't really get to know each other too much until it's like social or something outside the gym. So I was hearing tidbits of what I did and all these amazing things. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, this guy's like Superman. There's like 5,000 projects and all these charitable initiatives. So I'm so pumped today, uh, to talk about everything and your background, all things, but without further ado, welcome Tig. Give us background entrance. Like let's, let's, let's just start. I know there's so much to talk about mm-hmm. here. Talk to me about young, young tiger. <laughs> yeah. I think maybe even the name first and foremost. Yeah. Well, my real name's Walt. I was named after my father was named after grandfathers. And so I've got some legacy and um, okay. got some things in my life that look like did my you, dad. Did you name yourself tiger? My parents call me tiger since the day I was born. Oh, okay. And they eventually shortened it down to Tig, which is a Scandinavian de- uh, name. There's a guy in the mod squad named Tig Andrews. He's the most famous tiger. But okay. yeah, my parents didn't... Uh, didn't know that. Didn't know that was a real name. Tig was a real name, but um, but Tig is a hard name to pronounce. And so for years, I always I introduced myself to everyone. And my hey, my name's Tig, like Tiger, and I've always gone. Uh, my name on the street is Tiger. Everybody's got a street name, and uh, I've always been Tiger on the street. And plenty of people in life call me that as well. Okay, wait. So tell me what street name. Unpack that <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. So you know, everybody's got a name. I always say, "What's your mama call you?" And <laughs> everybody also has uh, a, a given name. Or a street name, right? And I would say probably about half the folks on the street, um, folks that are maybe chronically experiencing chronic homelessness, often have a street name for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's it's about who they are, um, where they've come from. Sometimes it's to um, live a different life than than their given name. 
Yeah. And uh, sometimes it tells you about something. But I often ask people as well, you know, what what's your mama call you? Yeah, I like uh, that. Just to get to know them a little bit differently. Well, as, you know, branding professional, you, we work strategically to, like, package and label something accordingly. Um, and then being in that game for so long, I'm like, no, it's not about, you know, creating the story. It's about telling the truth yeah. and, and revealing what's already there. Yeah. Um, and I think that piece of identity is so critical. So that's kind of cool that you go be like, mm, that's cool that you labeled it, but what is it actually? Yeah. Um, that's that's cool. It's fun. <laughs> so nobody calls you Walt? Nobody calls me Walt. Yeah. That, yeah. that doesn't fit from my angle for you at all. <laughs> <laughs> when I was in high school, a lot of people called me Walt. And that was mostly just, okay. you know, because I was, uh, you know, the class clown. And um, I think people just started calling me that just to make something up different, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, Tig Taylor, Tiger Taylor literally sounds like a movie name anyway. Well, it's like, so maybe the bright lights are shining for you. Yeah. Uh, on the podcast, I look just like Tom Cruise. <laughs> That's the good news in real life. You but know. you can't miss me. I know. Well, we are video. Oh, unless my video <laughs> shut off, which you all have to check. Um, but yes, we can kind of like chill behind the mic. Although everything now is like zoomed and everything. So we got to show up a little bit. Yes. But it's okay. Yeah. All right, so we're young. We got name. I, I, I want to get for everyone that doesn't know Tig. He works a lot with the homeless and everything. I think that's the street name comes in. So we'll unpack that in a second. Uh, but tell us a bit about you know youth growing up. Where did all this space for um, empathy and wanting to help people and religious beliefs? Where where does a lot of that stem from? Yeah, well, I've always been a caregiver. You know, that's really how I made up to to. The sort of guy that I have to know everybody's name in the room. Um, I knew everybody's name in my high school. You know, I grew up in uh, Steamboat, which is oh, I didn't know that. Seems like a pretty privileged place. My father was a blue collar worker. He was a phone man, and okay. I grew up um, up a road towards. So many people have been to Steamboat Lake. I grew up on that road. I was really the the non cowboy on my bus, and so <laughs> I say the back of my head is completely flat from being punched by cowboys and to have my lunch kicked around and. Um, I, you know, think from my childhood, I really started becoming a, a, a defender of the, the little lost and, and the weak. And, um, do you just, feel like you experienced that? Yeah, I think I did. Right. And, you know, every kid has trauma and in my traumas, you know, all manageable, but I, uh, that's footstool. I, I started just trying to stand alongside of, of anyone who felt like if there was a line drawn, I'd usually go to the other side to stand with people. And I've done that for a lifetime. You know, I was the, the kid in high school that, um, you know, would, would stand alongside kids that felt like they were on the outside or pushed against it. And, you know, I was a student body president, funniest senior, like I, you know, <laughs> people knew me. So I wasn't that kid usually. But we all yeah. feel like that kid, right? Sure. And I recognize that in anybody who feels that. We all have weirdness and awkwardness. And, you yeah. know, I come on this today and I, I don't want to be the, the bad podcaster, right? I got the, the, oh, no the neurosis of like, oh, I want to be like the cool girls you've had on recently, right? Like, we all have those things. Dude, um, first of all, yeah, you're definitely in the cool group, which, I mean, there really is no cool group. And I, it's, I so as you get older, you really see you're like... It's so cool. Sometimes you see little kids, like how different they are early on. And you're like, God, I just hope you can embrace that as a young human, because yeah. as you get older, that's such a cool. And it's like the littlest things that kids do, you know, painting or art or the way they, you know, converse about the world. It's it's pretty awesome if kids can maintain some of those like individualities. Um, and we need it more than ever in this mm-hmm. world. Um, but did your parent, were your parents really like kind giving souls or did that stem from somewhere? Because I'm such a believer that things start at home. So I'm yeah. like, when I see really good adults, I'm like... I, I generalize, you know, must have started at home and, and, and vice versa. 
Yeah, my uh, my parents were people of faith. I grew up uh, I grew up in the church, and not my parents were not, you know, crazy um, Christians by any means. And I'm <laughs> I'm in the church business, so I know crazy Christians. <laughs> and uh, um, I saw them really reach out to the world in lots of different ways. Um, I used to spend a lot of time with my father; would often pick me up after school, and I'd spend time in his. Uh, his work truck, and I see the way that he loved his guys that had yeah. hard lives at home sometimes, and I know some things about their story, and I spend time in my father's office listening to him, a love on these guys that might have struggled with some pretty serious issues, and just seeing the way my dad loved those guys right where they were at, never judging them, um, you know, guys with hard, hard lives that my father's life didn't mimic. It did when he was young, but my dad made a decision not to be that person when he got old. And so my, my dad made a decision to just show up at work and love the people around him. And that's how I've always tried to lead. Anytime I was in charge of a team, anytime I'm in charge of other people, anytime I have a chance to be with other folks, um, those things I witnessed for my dad were really important to me. Yeah. I think that's amazing. And I think it's particularly important as we get through, you know me, I'm very much for women empowerment and equality, all these conversations. And I don't want our young men to get lost in that. And I I think it's so important that our young guys get embraced and they're allowed to be emotional and empathetic. So I think that's amazing that you saw that not only as a young human, but from a male figure. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think that changes identity as a man and and, and what is um, capable. And obviously empathy is what we need on all levels. Yeah. Um, were your parents involved in nonprofits back then or was it just doing good, but living a certain way? Yeah. You know, my dad was like the rotary guy, (laughs) you know, like those sort of things, like some more organized uh, situations. And I would, you know, follow my parents into some of those sort of things. Okay. And yeah, I mostly, I had a really good model from them about just trying to love the world and accept people. Yeah. And, uh, my mom did that the other, you know, she was telling me about a guy at McDonald's the other day and and he was uh, digging through trash can, getting a, a sandwich and she's there with her girlfriend and she said, hey, don't do that. I'm going to buy you something. I'm like, all right, mom, the cooler way to do that next time is wait till he's done digging and say, hey, I'm going to, I'm getting breakfast. Can I also buy you? Like, you know, don't tell him to stop what he's doing. Okay. Because uh, that might feel offensive to him. Like, let him do his his situation and then enter into a conversation. She said, Oh, I never even thought of that. You know, like my, so my mom still lives that life today. Um, she's bringing a girlfriend up to, to work on the street with me, uh, on Friday just to hang out with my mom's 80. Oh, okay. She just wants to have a chance to learn and grow a little bit. And she's always trying to educate Kate, educate. (laughs) I'm an English, I'm an English minor, (laughs) not an English major. Uh, she's trying to educate uh, her uh, her friends about how yeah. to live a life, just paying attention to people oh, yes. who are who are different. I mean, if we're if we're still having still having evolution at eighty, yeah. that's amazing. And I also think that will be the, the piece that keeps you young and keeps you in the mix and keeps you relevant. Right. And when I think about my parents potentially coming on retirement age, I'm like, oh no, like I I mean, money, profitability, finances aside, just be able to like stay in the mix of things. I think is so critical. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially in an evolving world. So that the fact that they're even so open-minded to, you know, evolving and learning and changing, that's pretty darn awesome. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. We're never finished. No, right. No. We never get to the end. No. And I, I always struggled. Um, I, I ran the same church for 28 years uh, down in Monument 
you know, and I always challenge uh, folks to say there's there's no time when you need to be done or you, it's yeah. not someone else's turn. I always hate that. Like now it's someone else's turn. Yeah. You know, and if your story is you did something 20 years ago when you lived in Iowa to make a difference in the world, well, we got to push you. Yeah. Like there's people you can love and you've got capacity to to help influence the world. And, you know, you're made you're made up more than just taking care of yourself. Yeah. Well, shout out CrossFitters. I mean, I think we're into, as fitness humans, what like getting to the finish line, getting mm. yelling time, being done with the workout. And um, metaphor for life, it's kind of like, well, I did that. I checked all these boxes. Now I, I deserve this or like a sense of entitlement or a sense of completion. Um, I think once those senses, you can feel some of that, that's what I think you, mm. you need to do exactly that. You need to push through and say, okay, what's the next thing? Just like your mom, like, oh, I'm, I still want to learn. Like, I'm, I'm sure she has a wealth of knowledge and experience and she's still open to how do I up my communication are these, these little things. So I think once you sense those points of completion or I'm tired or whatever it is, that's when, you know, it's indicator of, okay, now we got to learn something new, get out there, challenge ourselves. Yeah. Um, and that's hard. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's hard because you get so comfortable and we feel like, hey, we've achieved or yeah. that's why I just think it's so important to be a listener, especially in the world right now. People are drawing lines and saying this is where I stand and I'm right and you're wrong. And like, how can we just be open to the world around us and believe yeah. that people's past experience, their past trauma might be affecting how they're they're experiencing the world today and not maybe entirely vulnerable about their experiences and They've got their guard up. And so just being with people right now is really important, even if they've got a difference of opinion or a different background. Well, I think more than ever, we've all had very different upbringings, backgrounds, opinions, voices. I just think it was masked by this unsaid, muted, don't talk about Mm. aura. Like, you, I mean, even now with my podcast or with heavier conversations, you know, I've, I've been conscious and trying to take a stand in certain things. And I think some close friends are like, ugh you know, cringy, it's not me. And that's okay. But to think, you know, we've been friends for 20 plus years or whatever, and we've never had this conversation. And that kind of sucks. And it's like, how shallow is our friendship or relationship or whatever, actually? Right. Um, So I think while it's like painful, and you got to kind of dig through some mud on some things, and it might not turn out the way you want, like maybe these people aren't meant to be in your life and vice versa. But at least it's true. And at least we have an awakening of what's going on. Right. Yeah, we hear so many people say lately, let's just agree to disagree, which to me feels Ugh. always offensive. Because that's we, the when we're closed off to people that often we care about, yeah. right? Not Rather than agree to disagree, why can't we just agree to keep listening to each other? And we don't have to agree or we don't even have to disagree. Like, why can't we just listen yeah. without fighting? Like, that's a possibility, I think. I think that's huge. I mean, if just... I think it's easier, though, to just be like, let's agree to disagree and be done with it. And you just move on to the next thing. But that in itself is the problem, because yeah. now we've got all these problems that we just agree to not agree on. Right. And now we're at like a massive uprising of energy. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's crazy. When relationships do that, they end up living in separate places in the house. Yeah. Right. And they're not communicating. You stop eating together. You stop loving. You stop the intimacy of life. And when we do that with the people around us that we're having uh, disagreements with, and eventually, we'll just start living separate lives, and you lose access to those people, and they lose access to you. That becomes damaging, you know. Yeah. And there's seasons, so maybe sometimes that needs to happen. But you know, it's possible to live in the world together. I really, I really think it is. Yeah, well said. I like lose access. That could be a whole podcast in itself. Mm. Relationships and relationship goals. I need to take notes on all of that. Um, but before we get to holy kicks and everything you're going on right yeah. now, uh, we're processed. We're in. You know, we're young human taking notes from mom and dad. 
Um, tell me about like high school and college, like any experiences there that helped shape to where you are right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Kristen, the reason why I'm bad at CrossFit is because I'm missing a thumb. Oh, I never so even I noticed. I don't hold a barbell well, so that's why I can't RX plus. I just have to RX, you know? Okay. I was going to say, I, never, <laughs> I would say bad, bad at CrossFit is never one thing I put right. on you. But and okay. plus, I'm not strong. Self-labeled, no. Uh, yeah, so I've got this crazy thumb. I lost uh, my thumb. I was in a horse accident uh, in middle school, and I had multiple surgeries, uh, even until college, trying to rebuild my hand and get oh my, my hand God. to work well. I literally never noticed. Yeah, okay. so I got this really crazy-looking hand now that's been rebuilt with uh, bone from my hip and lengthenings and all this crazy stuff, right? And this has really just been a tool for me to, you know, make puppet shows with over the years. <laughs> but um, in high school, I, I had this vision. I, I spent a lot of time at University of Colorado Medical Center, and I just was exposed. Back in those days, you had a hand surgery. You're in, you're in for a, a week, right? Yeah. And so I saw kids that lived at UC Health at the time, Colorado uh, Hospital. And I started becoming mesmerized with that experience. And now as I look back, what, what mesmerized me was the care, yeah. not the medicine. And but so I had a vision I was going to make it to med school until I got to uh, I got to I got to CSU, which is a really hard college to get into, right? About a ninety-eight percent acceptance rate. And so I go to CSU. I'm getting killed in chemistry, and I realize I am not smart enough to be a physician. And my son's in med school now, so I have DNA oh, okay. that's smart okay. enough, but I am not. It's a certain human. It's, it's a certain human, yeah. right? But you have to have a certain brain power. You know, I'm not one who believes you can just do whatever you want it to do. I, I actually probably couldn't have been an astronaut because only a few people can, right? <laughs> right. Uh, and I'm at CSU, I'm getting killed. And I'm thinking like, you know what? I'm going to drop out of college because I've really only ever been good at one thing. And that's making people laugh. I actually used to be really funny. And I, I'm not anymore, but I, I used to be super funny. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to drop out. I might go to acting school. I might pursue a life of comedy. And I had an experience the spring of my freshman year when I was planning to drop out. And my plan was to move to Chicago. That was my golden, my golden spot where I thought I was going to become even funnier. And I had this weird, creepy experience in church one day. I worshipped at different uh, churches around Fort Collins, and I had really a blackout experience. I mean, it's pretty supernatural. It's it's so, you know hard to okay. talk, but I just stood out in front of this church. I couldn't remember anything that happened. All of a sudden, that afternoon, I'm in my dorm room. Shout out to Newsom Hall, and I'm like, I think I'm supposed to be a pastor. And so this got stronger and stronger. And of course, I tell my mom and all of her creepy friends are like, oh, we've known that for years about you. Seriously? Everybody else thought I was joking because I am a, I mean, I'm an idiot. I am, I won most obnoxious freshman in my dorm. Okay. I am, you know, often the asshole in the room, you know. <laughs> but like, you're out there getting attention. That's kind I'm of the point. That, that guy, I never, you know, I'm always crossing the line. I never knew when to shut up and <laughs> Anything. Are you an Olsen by chance? I'm a little. <laughs> Sounds like yes. my entire family. That's why I like you, because you are both loud. You know, like I'm using my quiet voice right now. Yeah. And it kept getting stronger. Then I talked to some pastors, and most were like, "Oh my gosh, it's a terrible job. Don't do it." I didn't get a lot of encouragement. You know, I got these folks that were even the pastors were yeah, because like, they're all tired and broken, and lots yeah. of them are whiny. You know, yeah. and and anyway, I've never looked back, and so I uh, I took a year off. I got married right after. Um, Right after college to the girl I dated all through uh, um, um, high school who died a few years ago. And that's oh. why I'm able to do what I do now. I didn't even know. Okay. So it's a part, wow. big part of my story. And so Shelly and I got married right after college and we uh, had a great life together for 30 years. Wow. We took a year off, uh, worked in Denver. I waited tables and painted houses and yes. I've got some uh, roots here. And I made enough money to make it through my first year of seminary thanks to my 
parents blue collar works. I know how to work hard. Uh, and uh, headed to seminary in Berkeley uh, at uh, Pacific Lutheran Theological Seminary, a pretty left-wingy school. And I took classes from lots of other seminaries. And Wait, Berkeley as in right here? At Berkeley, here? California. Oh, okay. Right. And so okay. I used to always study at, Ber- at, universe, at UC Berkeley. Yeah. And I'd walk yeah. around and be like, every one of these students is smarter than me. <laughs> every single one of them. But I worked in my entire way through seminary. I worked really yeah. full-time doing maintenance and... Um, Wait, so this might be a really dumb question, but like you, so left college freshman year and then to, to be a pastor, is it not, it's seminaries equivalent to college? I stuck, I had, so in the Lutheran church, you have to have a four-year degree. Oh, okay. So I did, I did finish up college, but my gotcha. plan was just to get to seminary. Got and it. so I graduated with a humanities degree. I took classes in everything I could that I would I helped me make make me a better human, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, like Shelly at the time, I would take uh, human development classes. There'd be 40 women in the class. I'd be the only dude in there. Okay. Um, I took some religion some classes. That, yeah, <laughs> anthropology and just anything yeah. I thought would help me learn more about people. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really bad at math, right? Um, and I know. and I headed off to seminary and uh, ended up getting a, a call um, in in Monument. I was the first full time pastor at that church. And Monument was small back then. And yeah. Um, so yeah, so I landed in that place, a super conservative place. Um, was Shelley okay with all this? Yeah, she was pretty gung ho about the whole thing. She was great. You know, there's you know people here traditional pastors wise, and I don't know what that means. I don't think there's anything traditional. Just yeah. labels people throwing people to. That always feel offensive, but she um, was a blue collar girl too. She worked at Safeway um, for uh, her entire career in the middle of the night, and okay. she she was in charge of pricing, and so she was out working at midnight or four a.m. Yeah. Uh, every day of her life. So we always have had these kind of work ethic sort of things in my family. Which is huge. Um, yeah. yeah, and it's kind of the same way I ran Trinity as, as well, and was able to lead there for so long. Had, we had a great staff, I had great friends to work with, and a cool congregation. And But my entire time there, I worked um, in the school as well. I, I ran something called Boys Group, or if you're in the if you're in the principal's office, you're probably in Tags Group. I tried to keep you from beating up other kids or getting beat. I tried to cool you up yeah. and... Um, let you push kids less, right? Um, and just started living the life a little bit different, kind of outside of the parish and um, outside of my church work, you know, which all really just became integrated into everything I did. Were you a parent at the time? Yeah, um, had two kids okay. when I started. Uh, did that change the way you were as a pastor, as a, a mentor, working with some of our young humans? Not really. Um, uh, I love being a dad. And yeah. it's weird being an adult parent. My, you know, my kids are really super self. Um, we raised our kids to be really independent. And guess what? <laughs> they, they actually please. are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're totally good. They're great. <laughs> call me, please. Yeah, they're not the sort of kids that need to call and say, what should I do? My son calls me when he needs something fixed because uh, he's, uh, you know, he's a doctor. And uh, he's really good at you know, fixing people. Uh, they're they're their physical problems, but um, he's learning how to fix washing machines. My daughter's way exactly. better at it because she she uh, makes no money. But uh, I need both she, of them. She, yeah, they could, like, yeah, they can figure out. Me, yeah. right, right, they could gas you. They could put you to sleep and fix your uh, appliances. I'm here for both of them. So that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's because I've always wondered because I. I mean, we kind of saw a lot of the same thing. My mom, ironically, worked at Safeway forever and actually supported her family for a point in time and, and not far from where I live right now. Um, so very blue-collar work ethics. My dad built himself from the ground up, kind of walked away from the family business in California and uh, did his own thing. So I come from these, like, 
you know, wild animal souls that were just going to figure it out. And we're on the non-plan plan, but (laughs) we had some faith in, you know, we're we're just going to do what we're going to do. And I think myself and my three siblings are all on par with that. Um, But I think those blue color pieces are huge. Uh, One piece, I'm not a parent, but I've always wondered if my feelings towards our young people um, would change. Like I've been, I was a coach for 10 years at Grandview High School after college. Um, If that would change just in being a dog parent, I was never a huge dog person. I grew up with dogs, but now that I have dogs, that's, I mean, they're my whole world. If you look at my Instagram, it's 99% dogs. Um, <laughs> but then on the, with humans, I don't know that it would really change my view uh, or the way I approached young people. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, it probably um, wouldn't. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it would. Right. So um, I don't know. I just always think it's interesting because I think I try not to ever give advice on stuff I've never done. So I obviously don't give parental advice, but I always feel like I have some intel on young people just from coaching and what have you. Yeah. Um, so I think it's kind of like the one thing where you can give angles on without actually having done it. Yeah, absolutely. You know? One of the things I used to, you know, I, I used like people to stay in their wheelhouse. Like, how, yes. do we, how do we grow? But there's certain things we're better at than other places, right? And I, I, I always encourage people, like, if you're really good at coaching third grade girls soccer and, be, and your daughter was in third, but then she comes in fourth grade and you're less, you're not as good at that. Um, but you keep going because you, you need time with your daughter. Yeah. Like, I'm a big believer, like, invest in the world around you. Like, your daughter probably knows you love her already. Like, let somebody else coach her that might be really great at it. And you coach yeah. third grade girls soccer and you go after that. And maybe you make that, like, you become known for that. Yeah. Right. You're, you, those kids' lives are changed because you're good at that. And sometimes we're always doing things to say, well, but I want the world to, to know that I care about them. So I'm going to keep following to this. And you might not be the best person for that place. Like, how do you have enough humility to say, you know, I'm not great at that. Yeah. And maybe you're not the best for your kids at that either. Well, I, and I would give a major asterisk to parents and coaching their own kid. Um, I think sometimes it can work. Most of the time, like maybe early on in the let it pass on, like, let it move forward. I think that's a, I mean, it's like family and business, like sometimes it can work, but for the most part, it's probably better that you keep it separate. Mm. Um, that's just my own personal opinion from my, I guess, limited ish perspective, but I think it's good for kiddos to get some guiding guidance and encouragement and, uh, mentoring from something outside of the family. Um, I think one of the best things I ever did unintentionally so was, and not from the, the, you know, what I was leaving was so bad, but when I left to go to college, you know, I'm from here at Denver, Colorado, I went to George Mason University in Virginia and I had no idea. I just wanted to play lacrosse, but being away from what I knew, again, not that it was bad and learning these other lifestyles and figuring out my own identity mm-hmm. was so huge. Mm. Like you just don't understand how different the world is outside of your home. Absolutely. And it's until you kick yourself out of that box, it's really hard. So when I see parents coaching kiddos, I'm like, that's great. And it's so great for them to experience, you know, guidance and whatnot from another voice absolutely um so they can build their own yeah way of digesting the world yep. um, yeah and parents love for kids to hear their own voice which is super important <laughs> but there are adults caring loving adults out there whose yes. voices can really impact you yeah. right and yeah. how do you um i mean that's one of the you know you and i connected from crossfit like that's one thing our our box is really great at connecting voices together that the uh, head coach there's a guy named scott olson you should you should <laughs> get to you yeah. should get to know him he's a great he's a great guy and My um, he's a connector right and some people that's their skill set they're connecting like hey you need to talk to this person because they got a voice that you might need to hear and the connectors all they got to do is line those people up yeah. and then they can take it from there right yeah 
he's so funny and I don't know if it was this but he's like yeah you and your brothers are all you're such you're such characters and I'm like you don't think you're a <laughs> and meanwhile because we're in COVID he's got the Hulk mania mask on that he uses a bandana I'm like are you serious right now like it's so and I actually think my mom might say the same thing like they're so they don't I don't think they see how much we are so similar to how they are right I think because we do look like four wild animals yeah. um but it's so funny that like yeah. they don't see through that same lens right um which is just funny observation but uh, I love that you know like appear into my family most of my CrossFit crew knows because my dad's obviously a longtime super successful CrossFitter and now runs Bladium CrossFit but most of them have some peer into my family so then I think people in turn understand me a little bit more absolutely like, oh okay yeah absolutely <laughs> um but anyways back to you enough about CrossFit uh Okay, so we're in Monument. When did the whole, um, or what, what made you leave Monument if it was such a great congregation and everything else? Yeah, I mean, I really believe I could have retired there. Yeah. Um, we had a, a, a healthy congregation, um, tried to lead really with shared leadership, um, loved that place, and I, I think I was pretty well loved there as well, which is hard after a long period yeah. of time. People yeah. end up hating their pastors and pastors hate their congregations. And I never tried to be that First, I never went by pastor. No one ever called me pastor. Like we had four star generals in our church, like, okay, you know, CEO types, like nobody ever called you engineer Bob, you know, like just <laughs> look at my first names and everybody just do your job. And, um, yeah, my, uh, Shelly got sick and, okay. um, you know, due to, replicating DNA. Um, sometimes you cannot live that. And uh, we knew it was super serious from the start. And she um, really believed that she wouldn't live through that as well. She never talked about that with anybody. Replicating DNA would be... Yeah, just from cancer, right? Oh, so okay. cancer grows. Oh. And she had a particular type. And um, she never Googled um, anything once. She wow. just kept showing up at book club hanging out with her friends, yeah, uh, living life, going to work. And she just lived a life that was in front of her, and which was pretty unusual, right? She never said, I'm fighting, I'm doing, I'm, you know, she yeah. just said, hey, this is what, I mean, she tried to look forward even to her treatments and love the, the gals that gave her infusion. She's okay. like, oh my gosh, I love being around those gals. And I get a chance to sleep because she worked in the middle of the night. Oh. <laughs> so she's like, okay. wow, infusion <laughs> sucks, but I get a rest for an hour. Yeah. And, yeah. um, that's how she lived, and that's how our marriage was. That's our the friendship we always had. Yeah. And um, but you know, eventually she could not run it, and uh, she just um, she had a surgery that, that got a little upside down, and um, she had multiple surgeries and treatment, and um, um, but she went hard right to the end, yeah. and she died that way as well. And but she knew that I always wanted to. We had spent. Uh, she grew up in Denver. We we were those. We 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 were never fans of this Colorado spring scene, we would drive up to Denver often multiple times a week to eat and drink and hang out up okay. here. We love Denver and uh, we would drive diverse neighborhoods and Shelly was just never quiet. She lived a really missional life. She was super supportive of my work um, with uh, my friends who lived outside in the Springs and I've spent a lifetime picking up hitchhikers. I mean, she always just didn't want to get bugs. That was yeah. her thing. And my car always smelled like <laughs> weed for my friends, you know, like, you know, it's uh, smoking weed and uh, dirt was always in my car. Perfect. And on occasion, one That's time. That's like the Colorado brand right there. I had a car that uh, smelled like uh, human poop one time. That was a, oh. that was a thing. So I had a lot in my car and I've always lived an available life. But she was never quite ready to move into the neighborhood like I was. Yeah. She's like, hey, can you not, can you just do those things? 
and I'll, I'll hang out with you on occasion, but I can't do that full time. But I wanted to live in this particular neighborhood where I live in, in uh, North Aurora for, for really a long time. And uh, Shelly knew that I was going to do that. And she uh, blessed me to, to live that life and blessed me to live the life that I have now. And um, things that, uh, you know, we shared together that the world doesn't need to know. Uh. And uh, um, how she sent me off was mm. really glorious. There's things the world, a lot of the world can't get their head around now, the uh. life I'm living. And um, that's just how she lived. And uh, that's how she died. Super cool. Wow. But I knew, um, she knew I was going to do it. And then, so after Shell died, you know, I just tried to get my grief together and my life together and start to figure a way to exit Trinity and uh, try to empower the congregation to be who they were. Yeah. Set up my friends that I worked with, uh, that I'd worked with for a lifetime out there. One of my friends I worked with for 25 years. My other buddy uh, worked, uh, we went to seminary together. That was one of our pastors. And um, a good friend of mine, she's... Uh, um, longtime partner. And I had this opportunity to, I'd always worked on the street in Carter Springs. Um, probably my congregation was like, Oh my God, one more story about street friends, but that's my heart. Um, folks who are up against it is always my heart. And if, and I know if, if you run a major corporation, you have problems and you have suffering, but I do believe life is harder when you're poor. Life is harder you have so much trauma, you're on the street. Life is harder when you're an addict. Mm -hmm. Life is harder when you prostitute. Life is harder if you've been incarcerated. And I believe everybody deserves the same amount of love. But the need to walk with people is, is different because of trauma. And my congregation knew that. And they everybody, no one was shocked when I was going to leave. I had one person say that I was like selfish for going. Everybody else was like, dang it. Yeah. I knew we were going to go. Yeah. And so I got blessed. I mean, they really sent me. Um, yeah. They sent me to live the life that I'm living now. That's Well, first of all, let's do a cheers to yeah. Shelly. I don't know. Mm. Um, that, no, I feel the energy. And I really appreciate you sharing that and the vulnerability. That's to know. Um, I feel like life, I mean, as a 39-year-old, I don't know if I should be giving life advice or perspective. Yeah, but, of course you should. Um, it, to experience, I don't, you know, it's, it's quality versus quantity. Like maybe you don't get a ton of years or whatever, but like to have such meaningful moments and relationships in such a short amount of time is huge. Like what a mm. blessing to like experience like the depth of that emotion so early and then have that be such a piece of your journey moving forward. Yeah. Like that's so huge. Mm -hmm. I think um, so many people are sealed off myself included in so many respects because some of that is so, I don't know, traumatic, but it's hard to feel and that's everything we need right now. So, yeah. um, of course it's somebody like you with meeting somebody like her and now you get to propel all these like really powerful messages, you know, with a religious stance or a humorous stance or, um, to be in it. It's, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, and I have to say this and I, I sounds the right way, but like this whole walk with, um, not brand, but like understanding, I yeah. feel like that's how she is with you. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, like I can feel the energy. So anyways, yeah. I think that's, that's, it, it's incredible and so important for mm. what everything you're doing right now. Uh, um, thank you. yeah. So I hope I can note that in the, the correct space. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that's incredible. And I, and now I think this is perfect segue to, um, holy kicks and what you do. I, I, I do just want to clarify, and this is kind of an answer I can only almost answer in my own mind, but 
being immersed in the neighborhood or being in it, do you think that's critical to literally live in and amongst versus being outside of it and going in? Yeah. Yeah. For me, I'll say yes. You know, I'm I'm always think everybody needs to do what they need to do. You know, everybody always says you do you. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, that's like our current thing. Right. And, but for myself, um, I had a number of goals when I, when I moved here and my most important goal was to live in the neighborhood. And, um, I, I'm really, <laughs> everyone's goal is to buy a mansion and Tyke's here being like, nah, yeah. I'm going straight in. Right. I love this. Yeah. So, you know, I cut my salary way down to do what I did. Um, but my first goal was to get to the neighborhood. And so, um, as a Lutheran pastor in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, shout out ELCA. Um, I'm not a believer that any denominations are important. I'm not a theologian. I don't think theology matters. All that stuff drives me crazy. I really believe there's one faith and there's one universe. And, you know, I don't even, I'm way more universalist than I'm supposed to be as a Lutheran pastor. But, um, you know, I'll get kicked out if I talk too much, but, uh, are they listening? <laughs> uh, they, nobody listens to what I have to say. Yeah. You know, like, oh, time. We're here to change that. So. He's awesome. He goes on for so long and he says, oh, man, ah, a lot. And for myself, you know, I filled out some paperwork for the ELCA and I said, my, my number one goal is to, to, to work with, with folks who are up against it. I'd be willing to go to a church that wanted maybe to shut the doors and turn it into a nonprofit bastion or go to a church that wanted to stop doing the things that they were doing and really live a missional life to love the neighborhood. And so I kind of wrote my paperwork saying, here's all the things I won't do. And I had a, a good friend of mine who works with cross-cultural communications, helps me write my my paperwork. And she was super hard on me. She's like, Tyke, you saying angry there. You, you sound like you got an agenda with that. You, you, what are you trying to even accomplish with some of this? You know, like she was yeah. just so mean and brutal, you know? Yeah. And she was so- That's vulnerable space. That's man. what I wanted, you know? But I said, hey, I want, I want to get to the place I really want to be. And so she helped me identify the right words and the right heart. Mm-hmm. And it was just a really great gift to me. So I did my paperwork, and uh, luckily um, the powers that be just said, "Come on in." And he said, "Tag, like, we want to support you to live a life on the street, to be a street chaplain." And uh, I mean, I, I couldn't that day. I drove home. Ugh. I mean, that they said yes, right? They said yes to me. It was, you know, that's all your doubts, right? And I thought I just gonna, I thought I was just gonna have to stick it out to parish, you know? Yeah. But that, um being a guy that doesn't look like other Lutheran pastors and, you know, people have always called me the pastor of death because I'm always talking about death things and I'm the F word pastor. And I, I don't feel like I fit a lot of places. And they said yes to me. And so it felt so freeing. And I went back to my box that afternoon monument and, uh, and I won the burpee challenge that day. It was like, you know, whatever it was, yeah. 19 minutes of burpees. And I was the guy that day. And I was like, I never won. I've never been number one in a lifetime. And I was just so strong that day. Yeah. Um, because my life opened up because somebody took a risk on me. And so they said, yes, I came to Aurora, you know, with the next week, I found a house in the hood. And I met a guy um, in the, uh, you know, this, where I bought my house was full of all the people that I care about. So across the street were some boys selling drugs. On the bench in front of my house where people always sit, uh, I live on a, on a park 
which is not like a park in Where Highlands are you exactly Ranch. Where So I um, I live at 17th and Boston Street. People, okay. <laughs> you know, my home address is my business address. Yeah. My, my home Sorry, is no, friends. No, so I say I don't know where you live. Yeah, it's just so arena. Yeah. Yeah. So I live at 17th and Boston. Um, um, home of the uh, home of a gang murder um, this week, and a guy, uh, a oh, young a young man was killed um, with 20 bullet holes in front of my house on Saturday at oh, one o'clock in the afternoon. God. I knew him just to say hi to him. I didn't know him. I just knew who he was, you know. And I know, I knew guys that that know him well as well from the street. Ugh. And um, so it's a rough place, right? And but I, there was a, 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 um, a guy who's homeless on on the bench. I talked to a, a mailman. He says, "No, nobody wants this route." I walked into the uh, alley. I talked to a guy with an ankle bracelet on. All, all my friends have ankle bracelets, and said, "Hey, tell me about this place." And um, then I met a dude named Rodney. Um, who lived on the street and he's walking the alley and I walk alleys often for my, my, my job. Um, and Rodney said something to me. He's like, so what do you want to, so you moving here? And people often that look like me, people that have, you know, a pension <laughs> don't yeah. move to that hood. Right. Yeah. And he's, he was shocked that I was going to move there. And I kind of said, Hey, well, I'm going to, live this life on the street, trying to look like Jesus and love the neighborhood. And dude, I don't know what it's going to look like. I just know I'm coming. Yeah. And he said to me, I always wanted to walk in the shoes that Jesus walked in. But I suppose you can only walk in the shoes that God gave you. And in that moment, just things are firing off in my head about holy kicks. And I just started brain brainstorming and, um, Got online the next day and applied with the state of Colorado. And um, I started telling people, hey, I'm going to start a 501c3. I've never done that before. I've been the board president of a couple 501c3s. And I just started, I've always given away new shoes. And I used to always have new shoes in the back of my car. And I'd take guys to, to stores to buy new shoes. But I'd never gotten after it. Yeah. So my original intention with Holy Kicks was just to give new shoes away for guys living on the street, just as a side hustle, right? In addition to all the other things I was going to do on the street. But I thought someday it could become a thing. My goal was to work in corporate America and really start to talk about um, who you're walking with. Just say everybody got to someplace because people have walked with them. Mm-hmm. And I never believe that you got here because your own guts, smarts, and ability. I just, I know people argue about that. I'm not one who believes, you know, I'm a pretty non-agenda guy, but that's an agenda I'll always um, be willing to argue with a little bit. Like, oh. you did get here by yourself? Everyone Tell me how. Yeah. <laughs> right? Man, you something. <laughs> and with Holy Kicks to, to, to go into corporate America and say, hey, how did you get here? Who walked with you? Who believed in you? Who said yes to you yeah. that you could win the burpee challenge of life with whatever you're called to, right? Like, who made you strong enough to do what you're doing right now? Mm-hmm. It's probably somebody who said yes, somebody who mentored you, somebody who gave you opportunity, somebody who pushed you, somebody who drug you along, uh, somebody you watched, somebody you wanted to imitate. And you had partners to make you successful with your calling. And I just thought, man, I think shoes are just a natural image of walking with people. Yeah. And... So I started originally just thinking about folks experiencing homelessness. 
But then things started opening up and we started working with some refugees and I started talking to rural public school system. So thanks to COVID now, it's a little harder to get in the school I, system, yeah. but um, we're working on that. We've done a little, we've done some events, we're, we're connected. We've got some really great green lights to, to go and that'll become a thing with us. And people love giving kids shoes to us, which, you know, to say, hey, a guy on the street needs a pair of, home, of shoes and he may sell them. <laughs> he may sell a $30 pair of shoes to get $5. But to me, it's just yeah. economy. I don't sweat any of that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, but, you know, at least with kids, when we give a mom or grandma a pair of shoes or dad, like we know it gets on their their feet. And for donors, that feels great. When I say, I'm going to give it to a guy who lives on the street, he may sell those for five dollars. People are like, but I don't want him using it for something he's not supposed to. Like, well, you're probably not the person to give that. Yeah, yeah. And so it just things are open. I got this great board around us. I just picked for the most successful people that I know for a skill set and a heart for um homelessness, a heart for me, yeah. work with people of peace in my life. Um, they've been great partners to me and started, you know, working with some churches and some organizations to donate shoes and, and finances. And, um, you know, we're getting to the place where we can really start to blow the doors off. And so I got hired by an organization called Roar Worms Tonight. My national church then freaked. They said, I don't know how we're going to pay you. Like, you're just going to walk around and love people? Like, <laughs> you're like yes, and give out shoes. <laughs> They freaked and said, oh, my God, I don't think we can do this. I'm like, well, I'm going with or without you guys. Yeah. And so then they, I got in a pyre, I got hired on by this organization called Worms Night that did cold weather vouchers. What's it called? Aurora Warms the Night. Aurora, it's the world's the worst okay. name. Uh, <laughs> well, I Aurora is kind of weird in itself, right. just the name. But I have uh, other funny acronyms for them yeah. now after okay. I've worked with them, but none of them are healthy. But um, there was just a couple of us that worked. And I, I did outreach, and no one's ever done that for them. But I ran right. a shower trailer. I oversaw meals. I connected people on the street to other organizations. Um, uh, created a drop-in center. We did a bunch of things. Um, but eventually, uh, you know, a couple months ago, we were in a little bit of transition. I knew Holy Kicks needed to get to the place where I really felt I was called to get. I had to stop doing that job, which was really almost full time. And it was in partnership with the ELCA and in partner. But I had a lot of these church responsibilities at the same time. It was just too much. So how could you possibly? Because it's not just like time management as far as like I'm getting a job done. This is heart space and personal yeah. energy and I mean, wh how do you manage even self-care within all of this? Is that crossing? Well, I, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. So COVID hit. I stopped working out. Yeah. I ate a lot of burritos. I, yeah. I'm having trouble getting up on the pull-up bar yeah, now. Me like, too. We're all, we're all in that <laughs> same pool. Don't worry about that. That'll come back. Um, and it's, yeah, I just knew I just knew I had to say no to something. You, yeah. know, you have to stop something in order to start. Mm -hmm. You have to say no to get a yes. And the second I stopped, Kristen... I got connected with um, some nonprofits of color, um, some f or some different faith stuff or open up for me uh, on the street. Um, it's hard because my street friends, it, it's complicated for them. So they're like, hey, don't you work for this organization? You know, and for them, it doesn't matter. And just say, hey, I don't work for that, guys. I can help you with that. But for me now, I can just really focus on the love and the connection on the street don't and stop. just being with people. And it's just freed me up to, to live a, a cleaner life uh, as I walk out the door every day. Well, I think that, um, sorry, this video, I don't, I don't like the change of our combo. I just think it's critical if we can actually get this thing to go. Um, I think that's so, the lesson of having to stop something, it's something I've had to learn so many times to start and really 
take the faith that it's this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I got to take this leap, whether you're going from, you know, a full time job to an entrepreneur position or whatever. It's scary to do that. Um, but it sounds like you were really good in, about leaning into what you knew was right. Yeah. I mean, it's like these major moments in life are happening where, you know, you're in front of a church and you have like this blackout moment and then, you know, this incredible relationship <laughs> with your wife and, and like being here's what you do. And I mean, it's it sounds like these pivot points were and I don't want to take away the fact that it was super hard, but we're pretty clear and you were yeah. set on taking those steps. Absolutely. Um, I mean, that's pretty incredible. I really want to hear a couple angles, but how is it as a white man on the streets um, being amongst people that don't look like you, that aren't from what you're from, that didn't have the privilege that we have. I mean, how is that process in itself? Uh, and then we'll ask a, that's a long question itself. So I'll ask sure. my second question after. Yeah. I mean, you got to be careful, not careful f- physically. Um, I mean, you, you sort of do. There's people in the biz that, you know, cause I don't, I don't, I never step down. I'm really, um, what does that mean? So if, if somebody's going hard on me and wants to kind of argue on the street, oh. like I'm usually c- cool with that. Um, but, you know, there can be danger in that. But I usually just hang in there with people. And so you get yeah. tested sometimes if people don't know you. I probably spent the first six months of just hitting the street on Colfax and in the neighborhood there. Are, you know, I heard many times, hey, get the F away from me. That's common. Um, you know, I can talk to other people in the biz. But I think one of the things that made me different um, is I just tried to travel without an agenda. And so when people are like, what are you doing? And I would just tell people, I just here to love people. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Do they believe you? I mean, yeah, people do now. Yeah. So you've built like some relationship, some rapport yeah. within the space. Right. Okay. And uh, I'm, a, you know, yakking my head off now, but I'm a really good listener on the street. Um, try to make that a little bit on my unique angle with folks. Um, that was the tough thing of working with um, my, my other nonprofit when I was working with one tonight. You know, it's all really transactional. I always had hygiene available and underwear and socks. And um, but I could found, I found a way to start transcending that, and that's why I created this drop-in center with them and trying to just interact and 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 be able to mentor and love people and say, hey, let's talk about life. And I would do creative things in that to help people write down their timelines and do some things to open up some creative space for them. And so now being stopping and and not being transactional guys know I I can get you shoes and, you know, and I've got some buddies that hook me up that enable me to, you know, it's, you know, occasionally I got a few bucks on me sometimes and I'm always good for rolling papers and cigarette lighters and things like that, that are (laughs) actually people need. Right. So I'm always good for those things. And you can, you can hustle me out of a bus pass with a good story. I always offer, I always say, what do you need a pedicure and a massage while you're at it? And people usually, yes, I do. Uh, Um, Okay, now I lost my train of thought. I'm well, the king of ADHD. Well, no, it's it, you're good. I I think all I'm thinking is you're saying this is that those the conversation is not different because when you again you walk in as a white man that's college educated, what have you, into um, you know a, a neighborhood that's socioeconomically diverse or low yeah, income okay. or what have you, you, you're not necessarily from that space. And so to create that space to find common ground mm-hmm. is, a, is a gift, a talent, however you label it. It's, yeah. it's hard for both sides. And yep. you're walking into their space. Um, and I think there's a certain respect and acknowledgement and things that need to happen. And to me, that's no different than you put a Democrat and a Republican in the same room. And it's like, you know, regardless which one's walking to which side, it's you have to sit down and understand that we're not from the same space. We're not going to understand you. 
However, I'm coming in open-minded enough to have a conversation mm-hmm. to find common ground. Um, and I, I champion both sides of that. I mean, from someone like them, obviously I can't speak on that behalf, but to be in any space where someone's coming in that, that doesn't understand you, it's very hard to be open-minded to yeah. someone coming in and being like, I'm here to help. And the, the trust factor yeah, within that gross. is, yeah, it's, it, I mean, even as I, as a white person having some of these open mics with people of color and that comes from completely different backgrounds, I champion their ability to be like, okay, what are, what are you going to talk about? Yep. How are you going to bring this out? What, like, what do you know? And I think there's a point where you have to prove yourself. And I, that's completely understandable. Yeah. Um, and prove the fact that you don't have an agenda actually outside of being a good person, which is also rare these days. Um, so I just understand some of these walls and I want to champion both sides of that conversation of having the ability to be open-minded and say, I'm weary on this. I don't trust you at first. Yeah. And I'm open-minded to perhaps you are actually a good person and doing something for the better. Absolutely. Um, and that takes both sides. It does. So I, I'm, it's exciting for me to see that not only this is happening, but um, again, both sides of the table are open to it. And I think within that, you know, it changes your life and it changes another person's life and how they view a white man, how they view um, someone coming in, they wanting to be part of this situation. Yeah. Um, it's pretty powerful. Yeah. Uh, so outside of the agenda of, you know, what you're doing right there, I think that will change conversation for generations to come. Yeah. Um, yeah. Most of my crew, that I work that I work with and love, you know, my friends. I just call my street friends my friends. Most of my friends that I work with, you know, are brown and black, and you know, so that they're they're just these massive cultural differences. Not just because of of homelessness, but because of background. And I always ask people. Uh, I'm a guy who always says, "Hey, what high school do you go to?" To me, that always tells something. It's an yeah. it's an, an entry into finding out a little bit something about somebody. And um, you know, in, in Aurora and in Denver, the high school you went to will tell you something about the experience that you had growing up, some of the harder things you might have experienced. And there's real ownership in some of that as well. Um, you know, that's why we hear, you know, if you're a gang affiliated, where you're from is important. Your roots tell you something. You know, I, I was working with a friend of mine that helped a house person that was helping me with Holy Kicks event yesterday. We did an all women's shoe event yesterday. I saw that. Yeah, it was really fun. And she's like, hey, Tiger, needs it. Let's. I want to get you into my church in Montbello. Oh, yeah. And she's like, we got to keep expanding Holy Kicks. And that's part of our deal right now. But, you know, for her, she's like, hey, let me bring you to where I raised my kids up in Montbello. They all went to Montbello. And she's like, I get, you know, cook you up with my pastor and the people that we serve up there. And that's all about that connection. But those are cultural differences, yeah. right? So, like, for me to walk into my, uh, maybe that church in Montbello and be like, holy kicks is here with new shoes, people. <laughs> Save your life. Like, that's nothing. But, like, I want to go with my friend Jamie to say, hey, Jamie, how can I walk with you to walk with the people that you love? Yeah. Like, I don't have to love those people like you do. Yeah. So I love Jamie. She loves the people her church works with and cares about in the community. Like, so Holy Kicks is never like, hey, we don't, we don't need to be the top. We're always about how do we walk with you to make you successful? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's why I'm doing this podcast. I want to make you successful. Hey, I, no, I appreciate it, man. You're trying to make me cry, like all the emotions coming up. Oh, gosh. No, it's it's huge. Um, but, but I think that in itself, corporate America can take note. Like, you don't always have to come in banging your chest and be like, I'm here. It's You don't need to come disrupt the situation. Come in and be part of it. And then let you need that credibility 
from lent from somebody already yeah. in that scenario to come part of it like i'm not going to take a yoga teacher and put him in crossfit you need a crossfitter to be like i'm bringing in this yoga teacher for us to do yoga on sundays alone and this is why it's good like you need those points of um I want to say teamwork and like being a part and building, you know, the respective voices that make sense that have that space to speak on the topic. You can't just come in and be like, I'm here, I'm the boss, listen to me. Right. Uh, and I think that is a lot of old school corporate America. I still think that's what it is. Like I bought it, I own it now and here's how it is. And it's like, Oh, but actually no. And I think our young people are going to hold that more accountable uh, more than ever because yeah. they can read labels. They can see through the BS. They can look up, you know, this guy from Holy Kicks, this girl from Tumac and Tequila. Like I'm going to dig into their background and be like, actually, that's not true. Or you know what? You don't know this dude actually lives in it. Mm -hmm. This girl has been talking on the mic for way too long. You know, there's, there is transparency now that there once never really was. Mm -hmm. um, so I really applaud you guys for taking that approach yeah. um, and leading into it for because there's i mean it still is i know it's a 501c3 a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. there's still business uh, plays that you have to go alongside sure. and maneuver has that been hard um having such hard space but then having to balance the business alongside it yeah i mean that's one reason why i needed to quit my other stuff to really focus right to be work on some administration i've thought about hey how can i maybe hire somebody to help us work behind the scenes to start working these connections like i just went uh, the other day about 117 pairs of shoes at ross Oh, I saw that. Wait. Shout out for Ross. Hey, we want free shoes. Can, can you partner with someone? Like, I saw that. I'm like, we got to yeah. get partnered up. I mean, I just need time to do that. I got you. Right? And so my problem is I'm not a dad and things guy. Like, I'm really good with folks. And like, I'm going to walk out. I'm not afraid of approaching anybody on the street or anybody in general. But, like, that's my sweet spot, right? Yeah. So that idea of, like, uh, call up corporate at Nike. and Sponsorship. This part, that's kind are of my Are you willing? <laughs> and, like, those are things I'm like, I just got to force myself to do those things, right? Yeah. But, you know, I met this really great um, manager at, at Ross. I first worked with, uh, you know, kind of the store person. And they said, hey, we can't do anything to help you out. Our price point is already amazing, which it is. It's, it's great for us. Um, and we do get financial support. We can do those things. But then the store manager, you know, she had a story, right? And so oh, okay. her story's a little connected with some of the folks that I work with. And she kind of opened up her heart about stuff. And so I have a chance to invest in this really beautiful human who wants to just talk. She's like, hey, come out and talk to me because her clerks were taking 117 tags off his shoes. It took him a while. And she's like, hey, but you can contact corporate. We normally do this, but your story seems curious, seems interesting, right? And that's the cool thing I think about Holy Kicks is um, we're not trying to be something we're not. We just really stayed focused on shoes and walking with people. And... It's a, it's an easy sell in that sense. Like, you know, like arguing about like, I don't know if, if kids really deserve a pair of shoes. Like, you know, that's hard to argue with. Yeah, I was going right? to say, like, is there kickback <laughs> on that? No pun intended. Like, like, what? Right. If you're out of soup kitchen, like where I was yesterday, yeah. like maybe those folks, like a new pair of kicks is really helpful. Yeah. It's affirming. One, one girl came up yesterday. She's like, oh my gosh, you guys have really nice shoes. Like, yuck, because you're nice. Aww. Like you're created nice. Like, you absolutely, girl, you deserve them. And those yeah. look good on you. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's why we always have people try on their shoes. Like you pick, you go through a bin, you pick the pair of shoes you want that you like. So if you like, you know, yellow sparkle shoes, we may have them yes. for you. We may have a pair of cons, you know. Yeah. We also have shoes from other organizations that are not as good. So yeah. we love when people really give us great quality shoes, you know, that affirms people. That's the idea of your whole person. There's no pecking order. So... 
um, we're hoping that we can keep, you know, working with corporate America to open up some of the things. And I just needed the time and space. I mean, I've really been at it a year. Yeah. And <laughs> so it's not long. Well, now it's full focus. I will say this, though, on the bright note, now with all this disruption in corporate America getting called out, and I'm here for a lot of it because I've seen such phenomenal things. A lot of it needs some improvement. I'll be 100 with that. And I've worked with some majors and some smaller startups, which are my favorite, but they usually never have budget, justifiably so. Um, now corporates need you know, these avenues of like, what are you doing to make this better? How are you fixing the problem? You're on the front lines of TV and commercial, and this is how our youth is digesting our reality. What are you doing? Like I saw Old Navy do a really phenomenal job of um, talking about inclusion, and they posted Black Lives Matter, and they were very upfront with it, and I Mm -hmm. thought that was phenomenal. Whether they're doing that from heart space or marketing agenda, I don't know. Uh, And I said this on a few casts, fine, whatever it is. But at least we're projecting this new way of thinking and it's holding them accountable Mm. in some capacity to do something more than slaying clothes. Um, And I think that's powerful. So I think you're teed up for a really nice spot Mm. to be like, here's what I got. Here's what I'm doing. Who's in? And I think corporations will be looking like we need this. This is good. And hopefully it identifies with their heart space and they're like, we believe in you in this. Or maybe it's, you know, this is going to help us sell shoes, what have you. Either way, if it's helping you guys, we'll take it. Yeah. Um, So I wouldn't be surprised if something big comes across Mm -hmm. your table and you're like, oh. Okay, Ross, let's go corporate. Let's be partners. Yeah. Um, let's do this together. And I think there's a lot of upside to that. You know, then they can help, I don't know, distribution yeah. or whatever. But right. It was so fun. I it. met this dude. He was going, somebody said, Hey, that guy's looking through your bin because I had five uh, carts full of shoes. Or whatever. <laughs> and there's a really big, tall dude. He's got to be six foot eight in there. <laughs> oh, and okay. he was looking through. And I went over. I said, Hey, man, I said, I, those are actually ones I've collected. I said, But if there's something you, know, you need, Let's go because, oh, we're size 18. So I was like, whoa, brother, those are, I said, I didn't, I said, there's some back there. Seriously? Yeah. Okay. And so I said, you know, I got some 15s that I grabbed, but I said, there's some back. It was so cool. This guy, um, uh, you know, I'm ch- just chatting with this dude a little bit. It's so cool. Like he comes out afterwards. He's like, hey man, do you need help carrying this stuff out? Cause I drove up my truck and this cool dude ends up carrying shoes out to my truck. And he's like, Hey, I love what you're doing. We had this beautiful conversation about, you know, just how he feels in the world, having trouble finding shoes. Right. And so you'd make this cool connection over shoes. Like it had nothing to do with shoes, but then suddenly this guy's helping me get shoes on people's feet, which is helping me carry out some stuff. It's so cool. He goes home and says, Oh my gosh, you know, I met this guy and we found these shoes and like, you know, these little connections that just spur and drive other cool things. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I didn't know that it's size. There are times I buy big shoes that are expensive because I bought them online. And now all of a sudden I found this connection and a dude who said, hey, always come here. They got big shoes. <laughs> like, oh, it's okay. so great. And I got friends that have huge feet. Yeah. You know, it's well, so I mean, fun. You know, you really need um, a wide angle of size, color, style. Absolutely. I mean, all this different angle. And I actually think, as shallow as it sounds, I think fashion is a major way to like emote to the world of who you are. So I think that's really a critical point. Anytime, I mean, anyone that's gone back to school and they get their new shoes or what have you, new shoes are a big deal. Absolutely. Um, And I I like to be a wannabe sneaker head, but I try and keep mine clean and my wedge sneakers, I get it. And I don't know why shoes are such a big deal. Yeah. Uh, or maybe that's just my own narrative, but it you feel different walking in new shoes. Yeah. Um, and I think it matters. Right. Um, There's a little something about that extra, you know, skipping your step, right? Yeah. That's something about that. You... It's a little bit of identity. It's a little yeah. bit of value. They're yeah. noticeable, right? Yeah. And so shoes become a natural for me um, of chatting with people as well. You know, I point point that out. Or I got this um, 
uh, beautiful relationship in my in my life now. A yoga instructor who thinks CrossFit okay. needs to settle down a little yeah, bit. She's not wrong. <laughs> she's not wrong. Yeah. So, um, uh, Kara's been a huge help with me with uh, uh, just being able to survive life in the hood and partner in life together. And does she live down there as well? She lives two miles from me. We oh, live next okay. to each other in. Colorado Springs, but we didn't know each other. Oh my gosh. And so you, we met a year ago and she's a social worker and we have this fantastic relationship and life-giving partnership and um, just such so, so great to have a partner to yeah. do this life, right? Yeah. But the other day I met this cool girl I was doing the, uh, a, a big food pantry the city of Aurora is doing with a place called Aurora Interfaith Community Services. And there's this young girl about 11 next to me and they, the city's let me do this kind of prayer. And I'm always like, Hey, hope this doesn't feel offensive. Put the guard up. It's been really fun. I'm supposed to be there this morning, but I'm here. No, it's especially the Jesus clock fell off earlier. I know. So. I <laughs> just quick tidbit. I had a longer story with me. There was a Jesus clock in storage and where I built out the studio, it was in storage. So I hung it on the wall and I didn't think it was going to stay. And it didn't stay in the glass broke off yesterday. <laughs> I, I think it'll still work, but I'm like, I'm like, Tig, is this a sign? Like, am I on the what's going on here? I was a little weirded out about it. So I have no icons in my home. To, it's perfect. Oh uh, gosh. Okay. But anyways. Uh, so funny. So anyway, um, I was next to this young girl and she had these really cool vans on. She's probably eleven or twelve. And um, I was sitting next to her and I kind of kicked her foot a little bit. I said, Hey, I love your kicks. She kind of looked at me like, why is this guy touching my shoe? And the care, I was telling Kara the story. I said, I was trying to get to, to talk to this girl. like, And she's like, yeah, because you're not supposed to kick people's shoes. So I'm like, oh, oh yeah, that's God. my connection. You know, like yeah. I, I often, that's my move with people all the time. I'm like, hey, nice kicks. And I always kick the shoe. And, you know, so sometimes I do things in the you world that everybody them. else says like, hey, the, the way you roll is not cool. Well, so. this is when you need a, a true partner in crime where <laughs> I can be like, you know, I'm going to coach coaching moment. Like, right. I got you. Um, that's so funny. Well, on that note, I, I really, so homeless, homelessness in Denver is a major conversation right Absolutely. now. COVID-19, I think I heard some crazy stat, like it's going to go up by like 40% because of, um, the, uh, not foreclosures, um, evictions, evictions, uh, that, you know, they're going to be happening more that there's no more protection around it. And now we've got, um, some of the funding for unemployment being cut off all these things. So homelessness is about to rise. It's a major conversation in Colorado. Yeah. First question. What is some protocol, you know, if you are out in, you know, there's homeless people around you, and I sound so white and privileged saying this because I am, um, what is like protocol of, is it just more respectful to give space or to say hello or what is protocol there? And then you leaned in a little bit earlier about saying not stopping them um, when your mom was at McDonald's, but hmm. just saying, I'm going and can I do this? Like, what is some proper way to communicate? Yeah. Um, yeah. Within you, that? So important, Kristen. Just be yourself. Yeah. You know, uh, never um, force things. Right. And so, you know, folks who uh, folks who live uh, on the street, you know, so the the, le- the current language is people experiencing homelessness, though. Yeah. I don't know one street friend who ever says I'm experiencing homelessness. Yeah. But in the business, if you were in a group and you said, hey, um, the homeless community or people are homeless, people that I don't know any people are homeless, but I do know people experience. Oh. Like, oh. So I've said it wrong this entire <laughs> know, interview. Amazing. That drives me crazy because at a street level, it's so different. But you're just like, OK, but, you know, in the if you were writing or 
you know, even on my, you know, IG and stuff, I say, you know, that homeless, uh, holy kicks walks of people experiencing homelessness and economic disparity. Okay. Um, and that is, you know, the, the correct sort of lingo. But for folks who, who are living outdoors, one of the things I think is really important, just be yourself. And so it's really what you feel called to do. So okay. if you're not cool talking to strangers, I would say don't do it because you're going to come off um, weird. You're going to come off weird. And you're yeah. come off, you know, and folks already have friends. So that, that idea that we're going to brighten a person's day, like, like, <laughs> oh, I gave a homeless person a hug. Like, <laughs> you probably didn't change their world. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I say, you know, do what feels right for you, but don't force your thing on them. And so, like, if you're walking on the street or you're walking by, like, an encampment where there's tents at, you know, if people are outside and chatting, um, maybe number one, you don't need to walk on that sidewalk and walk over all their stuff. Um, if you do pass somebody, just be as friendly. If, do what you would normally do in any situation. So maybe if you say hi, say hi. If you say, how's the day treating you? Say that, you know. Um, just try to be yourself. There's that idea of always doing stuff to or for people. And I always yeah. think it's important to do stuff with people. And so, you know, I'll often see people come up to uh, to folks who are living outside and maybe they're sitting down, they do the stand over and people love to post pictures of like, hey, I'm handing you something. Here's a picture yeah. of people, us giving them something. And I always, that's, that's a way to do it. Mm-hmm. But that place of how, if you want to have a conversation with people, I often, um, so, you know, my crew is really the Colfax community between Yosemite and Havana and the blocks going each direction. But if I'm in Denver and I chat with folks, you know, I always say, because they don't know me, I'll be like, hey, man, my name's Tegger. You know, I eventually tell them my name. Um, I usually don't ask their name first. And then I'll say, hey, are you cool if I sit down? You know, sometimes I'll sit down as the conversation's going if I read that well. Mm-hmm. But I'll ask them and ask permission. Hey, can I come into your space? Are you cool with that? Mm-hmm. Um, but that kind of talking over people is gross. Um, that need to, can I brighten your day? You know, um, that sort of need to, to do something to people. So, you know, we always see people flying signs, right? Um, so when people have a sign on the side of the road, um, people call it panhandling, but it's it's called sign flying or people could say, I'm going to go fly today. Oh, okay. And, um, so never, you know, whatever it says on the sign may or may not be true, you know, uh, uh, stranded for eight months, can't get a bus ticket. (laughs) Somebody's bought, they've got probably 12 bus tickets by now. (laughs) My friends that fly signs, what they say is, uh, don't yell at me to get a job. That is their job. It's just economy. So roll down your window. You don't have, if you want to be generous and, and hand out a buck or five bucks, like if that's your deal, do it. That money's going to go to good use. Yeah. Um, you know, don't think they automatically need another water. I always say people love Gatorades. That's usually a cool thing. But we'll okay. usually be like, uh, hey, I've got a, a Gatorade. Is that helpful to you today? Like, don't be like, here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know? Or don't be like, um, hey, uh, here's here's what's important to me. Like, if you want, want people to get a sandwich, then buy a $5 gift card to McDonald's and say, hey, dude, I got a $5 gift card. I got handy for it. If that's helpful for you. You know? Like, usually ask permission versus the shove off. You know? And I think that's no, – and I feel ignorant even asking that. But I do think it's an important conversation because it's – you're dealing with one human to another human. Like, yeah, how, why would you treat anyone people. else like a like? I'm not gonna walk it across <laughs> it and be like, "Here, here's your water that you need." Or, I mean, what, which most right. humans would probably take it. Um, right. But it's it sounds just like duh. Like, of course, this is how you are. Right. And I don't think a lot of people really get to be around the homeless. Certainly not the amount that you do. But understanding that community as a community and what it is, right. like we're just not exposed to it. Yeah. Um. So I think it's an important conversation to be like. 
duh. Like, do what yeah. you do with most people. Community is important then, Kristen. Realize, yeah. you know, folks who are, um, uh, who are experiencing homelessness, m- most of them already have friends. Yeah. Already have buddies. Some have been out for years. Um, even the folks that kind of steer clear and kind of steer, stick by themselves. Um, I got one of my buds who's been uh, living in Joliet Park um, lately. A really cool dude. Um, we all watched some videos of his buddy, his brother fighting Butterbean back in the day, the other day. Okay. Um, he's really cool. And he, he, you know, every time I go see him, he gets out a cooler and a cushion for me to sit on. Okay. Right? So it's just hospitality. And most folks are going to welcome you into the space if that's their normal gig. Mm-hmm. Some people stick to themselves. But realize people already have community, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's so like I always call them the do-gooders, and that's, it's a good thing. There's a lot of good. That's, but it's like when the do-gooders roll up on the, on the population and be like, here's our sandwiches for the day and we're heading back to the suburbs tonight. And they all leave saying, Hey, we did this great thing versus maybe going and say, Hey, what would be helpful for you guys? So I'm always trying to develop leaders on the street. Um, and say, you know, I had a friend's help yesterday with our Holy kicks event. Like, you know, one of my buddies just asked me, I said, I, um, Sonny's super cool dude. And I said, Hey, Sonny, do you, you want a t-shirt, bro? And he's like, hey, man, I don't work for you. He's like, I'm volunteering. I'm like, you shut your mouth. Like, I, I'll strangle you with this T-shirt. Yeah, like, right? And you want it? I, I just said, hey, if you want a T-shirt, I'll give it to you. But for him, it's that deal like, hey, I'm volunteering. Yeah. Like, I don't, like, wearing your, wearing your, your well, your shirt looks like I'm working for you. But most of my friends are like, oh, absolutely. That's yeah, why, you know, I brought yeah. you a shirt today, yeah. right? Like, but I love that deal. Like, don't assume. Yeah. You know? And so for my friend, like, yeah, dude, I'm this. I'm here on my own accord. Yeah, you know, and as we work with uh, anybody who's in, in a cultural situation that's different, like how do we not assume? How do we ask questions? What would be helpful? What do you need? Yeah. What do you need that I could work with you? You yeah. know, this this is like important conversations for like kindergarten. So it's like this is how you get along with people. Not even if they look like you. Nine times out of ten, we didn't come from similar space. Like mm. maybe on paper it looks similar, but we've probably gone through way different experiences. And so to come in and be like, "Tell me about you," to be able to listen, and then to be able to be like, "This is how I see the world. These are my experiences, and these are friends that I already have." Or how can I be part of your situation versus come in and coach it, mold it, assist, whatever? Yeah. Um, that seems like it should be an obvious skill set we should be teaching our young humans. Mm-hmm. So now at, you know, over 25, we're not like, well, how do I talk to the homeless or people, people experiencing homeless? Like, I don't know. It's, yeah. this is where I have such faith in our young people. They have access to these conversations earlier on and um, really get a view and help shape society in such a different way than yeah. we grew up with it. Um, I think that's so mm-hmm. huge. How does it, how is it working with, um, young humans, like when you're out there and you're in the, in the mix of this, people, you know, experiencing homelessness and a harder way of life. Yeah. Um, does it, and I don't want to get into like white fragility and, and all these things, which are all, all things. Um, but do you feel overwhelmed with how much that needs to be done? Mm. Uh, like, how do you manage that? Like, I know every little thing matters. Every conversation matters. Mm. And, you know, as I do my research or watch documentaries or get out there, I'm just like, damn, there's so much to do. Sure. How how can I possibly I know it helps, but then I have days where I'm just like, I don't think I can do enough. Yeah. How do you manage that conversation with yourself or your experiences? Sure. Yeah, I think we're you know, when I work with younger younger folks I'm spending time with, um I'm probably more of an encourager mm-hmm. with them. I've seen my older friends, guys my age, you know, um, a lot of my older friends have 
um, you know, got 15, 20 years of incarceration behind them. They just know places. They're in a different subtle place in life, right? Mm-hmm. But some of the younger younger kids that I work with, you know, that are I'm trying to figure a way to raise their kid in a motel, Colfax motel, or they're staying with, you know, couch surfing or, or something like that, or maybe on the street with their little ones or living out of a car or something. Like for them, it's, it's, I really try to help with next steps. And those are the times I ask questions like, hey, hey what do you want next for yourself? And so if it is, if I can point them to the right direction or hold them accountable, um, like I give out my phone number to folks on the street. I'm one of the few street workers who does okay. it. And that can get a little crazy because none of my friends call during work hours. Um, yeah. And sometimes they call and, you know, they're, they've are they been experiencing the joy of the day. And so it's a little cuckoo town. I'm like, hey, dude, I can't understand you. Yeah. Um, but I really try to say, <laughs> the joy of the day. let them know, hey, they're loved. Um, you're doing it. Really try to to build them up with good things that are going on when they make hard decisions. I'll just say like, Hey, how did that work out? Or, um, Hey, what could you do differently next time? Or did that feel, are you okay with that? Right. Let them come to their own conclusions, but just say, Hey, I'm here for you, man. I, I don't know if I, I can't, I can't help you accomplish those things, but I can walk with you, stand by with you, cheer you on. I'm like a girl yesterday um, that I saw. She, she works the street a little bit. She's a doll and um, I just love her. And, she she hadn't seen me in a while, and she gives me a big hug, and um, she said, Tiger, why did you leave us? And she hadn't seen me for a while. Wow. Like, there becomes a sense of safety. And not that I've ever done anything. She uses my phone a lot. Yeah. I've never really done much for her, but she misses being with me. Yeah. And those are the things for me that tell me the importance of, of constantly being in the same place at the same time. How do people develop that trust? That sense of safety, you know, mm-hmm. um, like it's, you know, like in the CrossFit world, you know, your dad's a friend of mine and I love working out with your father. He makes me stronger. You know, I'm not, I'm never going to be the strongest, most coordinated guy in the gym. And like, you you know, like you when your dad's with me, I feel like I can do stuff. Like yesterday, I thought I was going to be at the 30 minute mark on this one. <laughs> and Scott Olson's like, Ty, you'll bust 30 minutes. And like, he said that to me. And I'm like, I'm bust. And I got 25. Okay. You know, not yesterday one. was long, by the way. But yes. It was long. Yeah. But you know, who stands with us to say, hey, I believe in you. Yeah. And even if Scott didn't believe I could bust 30, he told me. Yeah. And I did it. Right. Yeah. So those friends that we're holding in the world um, or those friends that we start to develop relationships with that might, you know, um, uh, look different in the world than us. Um, have a different life, have a different trauma, have a different background, have a different economic situation, a different location. Like, how do we just keep standing with those people mm-hmm. with the skill set we have? Like, you don't have to change anything. Yeah. Um, but when we love people in a really accepting way, um, and, you know, we're, the world right now is loving people through, you know, indignant anger and stuff. And that's really doing some great things. Um, I, I believe in so much of that. Um, but ultimately, you know, I always feel like we got to get to a place where we can really sit with people mm-hmm. and, and be present, um, to start to do greater things together. You know, and sometimes we got to be angry to make that happen, but, yeah. uh, you know, eventually we've got to just be still. Yeah. That's something that I've, it's, so, it's shown up in different like intuitives or, um, religiously. I mean, you, you read a lot about being still and, uh, I'm not still by nature <laughs> professionally. No, personally, none of it. Um, but it's been really an important lesson again. Like I think it's something that would be wonderful to, to be taught in kindergarten mm-hmm. of like, how do you actually let's hold still? How do you actually feel? What are you thinking? 
are you listening? You know, what's get in touch with yourself. And that's such a new conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, probably for me over the past 10 years of really dialing in and still trying to, I think that's a never ending, um, you know, journey. Uh, but to really, I don't think that's really like American culture for us to like pull back and like, stop moving, stop calling, stop being, you know, digital, everything like stop consuming. Yeah. Um, but Kara and I coming up, we've been going nuts lately, we, you know, investing some friends and family and uh, connecting with folks. Uh, we did a wedding two weeks ago together where we, where we bought the cake and the flowers. And Oh, I saw that. On yeah, Kara's yes, a videographer, yes. you know, for, for our wedding. Like, yeah. we're doing that together. Like, there's been all these full things of others. Like, we got a weekend coming up, like our phone-free weekend, you know. And, okay. You know, we'll probably check our phone a couple times a day. But the idea is to just shut down, be present with each other. Mm-hmm. How do you be still? How do you be mindful? Um, so you, you, that you're worthwhile to invest in the world around you, yeah. you know, and I'm never one to say, Hey, it's me time, tag time that day. Those are things I think could happen in different ways. But, um, you know, how can we be still enough that you can settle heart, mind, soul, spirit, neurosis, yeah. mayhem <laughs> that the world that you got something to, to be present with, you know, because yeah. especially the ones we're loving are full of those things. And if we're full of those things, you're just going to be. All that negative much. energy, right? Yeah. Well, and that's a rare skill set. I'm I'm so happy you found somebody on similar ground mm. that understands that because I I think that's really complicated isn't the right word. It's a very evolved space, particularly yeah. for Americans. Right. Um, that's a pretty deep conversation. I think you've had to have gone through certain things to even understand that. Like yeah. that's that's pretty that's pretty amazing. Yeah. She's a social worker that works mostly with breast cancer patients, right? Oh, okay. So she, she's good at telling people like, hey, how can you slow down? Be mindful. Yeah. Deal with all of this life change that you have to yeah. actually hear and invest into the world, you know? Yeah. So we just got to, you know, how can we surround ourselves some way or press up against the ones we can actually learn from? Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's the beauty when people are like, everyone's so different, this and that, and, you know, black and white, Democrat, Republican, blah, blah, blah. Yes, and, but if you really pull back and you know they're so different than you, you can learn so much. Right. And, I mean, even having friends that are slightly different and you see how maybe they cook different or they converse with their parents different or little stuff that then changes how you move forward in life. Yeah. And your kiddos or your friends start to do things a little different. And we start to become immersed and we start to have all these commonalities over little tiny things. Right. Um, So kind of going back to my question, so do you not ever get the sense of, like, there isn't enough time, I'm not doing enough, like... It sounds like you're pretty good with like your awareness of impact. Yeah. Yeah. I usually don't stress. I, I'm a stressed guy. I mean, I'm really good at staying awake at night. Are you? Uh, you seem yeah. very chill, but okay. Yeah, but I, I worry about things at night, about certain things. Okay. You know, like that shooting across my house actually oh. did red. And I was, Karen and I were stuck in my truck two months ago. Um, it's about 30, 40 bullets came down the street. We saw the guns. We were in a, we were in a midday gun shootout on my street between two guys in cars. They, they shot up the street. They drove by a shooting. We were hiding in the, it started as we got in my truck and we're laying down in the, in the front of my truck trying to avoid this. But this shooting that happened from a house and there was someone killed in from my house as well, two years ago. And in my hood, there's lots of gun violence, but, um, you know, then two months later to have that, that murder happen right in front of my house. And it's tagged up with a lot of gang, um, tagging on the street, you know, right where I parked my truck and on the sidewalk. And there was police tape in my yard still when I got home. I, I wasn't at home when that shooting happened this weekend. But um, 
that I, that idea of, of how do we center ourselves? There's things that rattle us, you know? And so, you know, I've been having some dreams about, um, you know, a certain color showing up at my house, a certain gang color. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Know, I, that, <laughs> that color that represents like, because, because it rattled me. Yeah. You know, and I'm talking to some buds that are in that, that particular gang. They're like, dude, you got nothing to worry about. But sometimes things brush up against us so close yeah. that we think it becomes a part of us. And I think how we center ourselves, how we behave, you know, how can we be a part of those things that are really not about us and still be ourselves? And I think that place of the calmer we go into those places with the less agenda, the more impact we make. Like, I'm not going to change gang violence, but I can love people who are in gangs. Yeah. I can listen to what's, what's your story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can talk to that poor girl whose, uh, whose boyfriend was killed, you know, mm. and, and not be, not immerse yourself completely in it, yeah. but be present, you know, and be a supportive factor where right. you can fit in. Um, did you have any like training in counseling or anything like that? Cause some of these are really, really heavy conversations sure. or does more of this just go back to experience who you are as a human um, part partially religious conversation, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, was there any formal skill set, or is this just all straight up experience? Yeah, in seminary, you know, Lutherans are pretty overeducated. Lutheran pastors, as a rule, um, a lot of them go on to do more things. But, um, you know, I had some counseling classes in seminary for sure. But I think the best thing I did, I worked at San Francisco General for a semester when I took a death and dying class um, oh. during the AIDS crisis. And to walk onto that floor and to see these, um, you know, these, these men that were in the 30s and 40s, um, back when the world was angry, you know, and just learn how to keep your mouth shut, you know, like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm here representing God. Yeah. And you just, just shut your mouth. Yeah. And uh, I, I think my best counseling skills ever came from that experience of walking in and just learning to just... How can you sit and be still and say, is there anything on your, on your heart you want to talk about? Yeah. Um, and to just hear without needing to answer. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the best skill set I got in the counseling world. You know, I'm never really a fixer in the counseling world. I'm like, it's a lot of, hey, what do you want for yourself next? Mm-hmm. Um, I can give some direction. But, yeah, pastors as a rule, they always talk about pastoral counseling. Like, I just send somebody to a professional. <laughs> do, yeah. what, do what you're good at. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think a lot of it's like just finding that that space to where the doors even open. Because sometimes like people yeah. don't want to change. And I respect that too. Because right. right. we all have like our evolutionary process and it's all in due time. And so all you really can do is kind of be that support in the mix. And that's hard, particularly when it's someone close to you because you yeah. want to be like, let's change this. Let's fix this or let's move forward. Or, mm-hmm. But if someone's really not ready to do that. You, you gotta just respect that and let it be. Um, and on that note, I want to talk about a little bit, um, addiction and Mm -hmm. trauma and mental illness. Uh, tell me if I'm wrong because I'm not super privy to uh, people experiencing homelessness. Do you think that's a huge conversation around homelessness in general? And that's a huge piece of it. Yeah, it is. It, it is, you know, there's a little cart before the horse, chicken, chicken before the egg with all of that. Um, you know, I'm a big believer and, and lots of people are in the business that, you know, homelessness is the result of trauma, some trauma. And that could come from eviction, incarceration, addiction, mental illness, 
foster care, mm-hmm. um, domestic violence is a huge issue, especially amongst women. But I see that amongst the men as well. And there's often some life transition. A lot of people say, hey, you're one paycheck away from homelessness. But most of us who are one paycheck away from homelessness, if we've been getting a paycheck, we probably know how to get a paycheck. Mm-hmm. So we're also maybe one paycheck again away from housing. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, is the missing piece. And I, you say you, may, you met one person who's homeless, you met one person who's homeless, right? Um, and so everybody's got their own story. Um, but addiction and mental health issues are exacerbated when you sleep outside. Like I, I always tell people, like, just go sleep on your front porch with a blanket for one night. Mm-hmm. And see how edgy you are the next day. And then imagine the next night, you're not allowed to go back in your house. And that blanket's been sitting there all day. And it's been raining. And you got to crawl under that thing again and do it all over. And then see how you feel the next day. Mm-hmm. And eventually, those things start to pop. Like, you know how when you go camping, you just, I just want to get a shower and I just yeah. feel gross and get all this stuff unpacked. Yeah. Do that for a couple of years. And you start to get, your head gets jacked with heart gets jacked with you know um um you know uh, one your podcast has the word tequila in it Mm -hmm. and that i that the issue of drinking of drug usage of whatever it is to medicate your life to make it through the night is just multiplied yeah and the longer you're on the street it's often multiplied um you know, my, most of my friends that I hang out with, you know, I'll drink 20s during the day and most drink, you know, kind of some fortified beer. And it's due to all kinds of things. M- most of my friends all talk about their addictions. Mm-hmm. They're also usually talk about other people's addictions to say, at least I'm not that. Right. And so it's the boundaries of saying, hey, at least I'm not completely uh, struggling out here. You know, mm-hmm. I got my life under control because I've only got these things going on. Right. Um, and it is an issue. Um and in order, for, you know, people go to rehab uh, often, but if you're back on the street, your chances of getting back to your old habits are pretty good. Yeah. It's going to be hard yeah. to break it. Do you, um, do you think there is perhaps not a solution, but do you think there's something we could be doing better as a society, as a government, mm, as, yeah. is that a whole podcast in itself? It probably is. Yeah. I mean, I think we've got to keep addressing childhood trauma. Yeah. Agree. Uh, those are the massive issues. Um, of, you know, the system, the process, the education, the home life, the issue of mentorship, um, a, a safe adults in your life, um, poverty, eviction. I mean, the kids that live on my block, I mean, I'm talking about this little boy the other day. He's with his mom. I know these kids. Like, I'm talking this, you know, honestly, seven-year-old dude. Like, he had somebody killed in front of his house. Mm. I'm talking to his mom about it. Like, a lot of seven-year-olds are traumatized because they didn't make the soccer team. Right. Or they didn't get another <laughs> next step of Fortnite. Like, right, like, right, right. And this dude lives in a place, and because of his parents' documentation, like, they kind of, they don't have choice but to live in that hood. Yeah. And he's a boy. Yeah. You know? And then the crazy neighborhood guy's like, hey, how you guys doing with the shooting? Yeah. I mean, he was so effed. Yeah, yeah. You know, so... Those are issues, and that that kid could struggle. Yeah. Oh, right. I, I, I mean, I would think so. Like, and that's why I think some of these conversations and like these skill sets, yeah. and perhaps a lighter tone, uh, 
need to be happening in kindergarten. Like these are coping yeah. mechanisms. These are how you be open-minded to people that don't look like you or came where you came from, or, yeah. um, this is what's possible. If you're in a certain neighborhood, you can, you right. know, do certain things. And I don't know. I, I, I don't have the perspective you have because I don't have the experience you have, but I would agree that I think developing these skill sets and this exposure right. very early on, yep. I think would navigate around a lot of our current circumstance. Absolutely. Um, I yeah. think it's huge. Yeah, I'm not one to Kristen Blues. Homelessness can be solved. There's lots of organizations that say, let's end homelessness. I'm actually not one who believes that can happen. And, you know, um, and, and I don't talk about that a lot with um, with people in the biz because there are people like, we got to fight. That's the goal. Housing first. Yeah. You know, I always believe we could solve homelessness today. We could get everybody in the metro area house today and people would be on the street tomorrow because of the trauma from 20 years ago. Sure. And until we address the current trauma, we start working with kids um, in, in such a positive way mm-hmm. to address the current trauma going on, like, and to have a way to heal that and acknowledge it, to walk with people. It's just going to keep landing people on the street. And then we're like, oh my God, like, I'm sorry you're using, and I'm, you're living in a tent on this street and it's bothering the neighbors and now you're going to get sweeped and or swept and you know, it's if we could address the trauma from 20 years ago, like everybody needs a really great therapist and a place of respite and yeah. somebody to hold them and a discussion that needs to unravel the 40 years of their life. It's yeah. going to be a tough one. I, yeah, I don't I mean, I don't even really know where you start. And then yeah. but then I get back to like organizations like what you're doing and the life experience and, you know, even conversations like this, like you just hope it's one step in that mm, direction mm-hmm. and that, you know, maybe one kid changes or, yeah. um, do you have like a, a incredible success story? I guess I don't know if you label it that way, but a, a point where it's someone came back to you and been like this pair of shoes changed my life or this conversation helped me take the next right step. Sure. Are there a bunch of those? Yeah. I'm all about recent stories. Okay. You know, so if you got a story from five years ago, like, Oh, come on, <laughs> it's working a little bit. Come on now. Yeah. You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so, uh, I mean, my story about Sonny yesterday is a little bit of one of those things. Right. Um, but yeah, I would say that that kind of daily piece, um, I'm going to, I got a, a wedding coming up, um, here in two weeks that uh, Karen and I got to go, well, we were going to do in the park, Saw some of my friends. They lived in their car for five years. Um, they recently got housed a couple months ago. And everybody thinks thinks they're married, but they're actually not. Okay. And so, you know, I've got these kind of street chaplain roles where people call me preacher and do this. Other. <laughs> I never tell anybody, yeah. you know, uh, that at all. And, uh, um, and I was talking to these friends uh, the other day. And they're just simply talking about um, that they want me just to bless their marriage. And we're doing a little kind of live marriage counseling. Like she's, she's like, Hey, I, we don't need that. We don't need the paperwork. He's like, I think I do need that paperwork. And, um, like, and there's just this transaction going on where I'm able to sort of be pastor to yeah. them and street chaplain and friend and partner with them and kind of hold this couple. And between where I sit with them, uh, you know, on the street and, and they spend a lot of time in, on the street still. And, um, to me, those are just simple stories of success of somebody who I used to walk with when they did live in their car and now find housing, who now say, can you be a part of the next celebration of our life? Mm-hmm. Now, the next celebration of our life isn't going to look like the world thinks it needs to be, but we still want you to be there. Mm-hmm. Right. And those are just the simple things about how do you create longevity with folks um, beyond, hey, you know, we hooked you up with a new pair of shoes and I love you and I care about you. But they say, hey, here's what's going to happen in a couple of weeks and you're going to be there, but it's going to be different than we expected. And I love 
uh, Kristen, that a life can be different than we expect. Yeah. And that makes it worth it. You know, like if we can keep walking with people to get to a place where they don't expect it to be, and we don't have to figure it out for them. We don't have to do it. But like just stick it out with people. You know, like you're a value, you're whole, you're worth it. Um, uh, to me, that's the victory every day. Yeah. Dang, Tig. Uh, he's He's got me crying here. Um, no, I, I uh, that's so deeply well said. And I think as we dig in and, and ask questions of how do I do this the right way and how I, I really do think the answer mm. is simple is just being showing up and being yeah. that supportive space and being the person that you would want and being mm. able to be um, somebody honestly like uh, Shelly and mm. um, and how she showed up and to be able to have these really selfless mm. conversations and um that supporting space yeah i think it's huge mm-hmm. um i think this is the first cast i've actually teared up on mm-hmm. um but i really appreciate that vulnerable space and uh i think again the way we can be intentional and the way we can show up for the world and show mm-hmm. up for individuals is so huge particularly right now when you know you don't know you know you might have somebody that's experiencing homeless and you might have corporate ceo then they feel equally as lost and lonely. Yes. And you just don't know, just like you said, how things appear and mm. show up because in our own mind, we are, we're trained to perceive the world a certain way. And, you know, white man dressed clean, he must have mm. money, must this white girl, this, this, and this. But you pull back the curtain and it's like, dang, we look so different. And yet we might be experiencing some of these really similar yeah. human problems. Mm-hmm. Um and the beauty is to somehow find a way to create that space to find commonality um, and support one another. Um, so that's huge. And <laughs> I, even hearing you speak, it's this conversation has been so enlightening for me of being like, you know, you, maybe you know more than you think you know, and maybe mm. you are, you're doing more than you think you're doing. And so much more can be done by almost doing less mm. and listening and taking note. And showing up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, That's, it's huge. Um, How does somebody get involved with Holy Kicks or support your cause? Are you a part of a church right now? No, you know, I get invited to preach at churches on occasion. And so half the people really enjoy that. The other half haven't heard a Lutheran pastor like me because I I go a little hard. Man, pack a helmet, a tissue, and everything in between. Yeah, either scare people, like, hey, that's great, or don't ever invite him back. He's way too jumpy yeah. and yell out. Um, so I do that a little bit. You know, I'm always happy to go out and kind of talk about, you know, a missional life or what that looks like or how to live into what your, your, your gifted set is or how to push yourself just a little bit to see the world bigger than maybe you see it. Um, so yeah, I'm not a part of an actual parish. Um, you know, I've, I'm close to figuring out how to launch a street church, but it's going to be with friends from the street. I just feel like, um, we're just in the place right now with some momentum with some of my friends who are semi-housed or living on the street of guys who speak really great faith, um, to, to, to start to launch them. That was originally my original vision, mm-hmm. uh, to try to do that. And, um, I realized it might take longer and I don't have an agenda with that. I mean, all my friends, you know, they're in the faith biz and not looking for certain flavor of anything, mm-hmm. but we're close to that. So that okay. would most likely become a little bit of a, a, a missional community that I'll keep being a part of um, with some of the street friends. 
Okay. That's amazing. Yeah. And I really, I'm all about leadership from within. I mean, yeah. so my friends that live outdoors, they're, they're really capable. Um, one of my buddies the other day, he's got a little bit of a learning disability and just got himself like an electronic Bible verse deal okay. that he's like, hey, you know, I'm dyslexic. This is a great way for me to learn. Like, yeah. love it, right? So how can we empower folks that say, hey, I have trouble reading, that maybe you've got a place of leadership here. Like, you don't have to be the best reader sure. to make your voice matter. Yeah. Um, so do things like that. Well, dude, I think this kind of embodies your entire journey where you're like, doctor, this, you know, I'm, I'm loud and I'm out here. But then it's like, of course, you're going to be a pastor. Like, sometimes people see things for you that you don't have to take time to right. see. I can't outrun it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, I, particularly right now, I can't outrun anything. Um, but that's but that's true. It, it's interesting to see sometimes the world digests you differently than you think that they are. Um, but also, I always say, like, regardless if you breathe in God, universe, or Madonna, I'm a huge Madonna fan. Yep. Um, whatever angle it is, like, something's guiding you towards this greater good or this greater. I think yeah. if your heart space is in the right space, um, if you can take back and just listen a little bit, um, things are kind of guiding you yeah. and leading you somewhere. Um, I got to ask, do you, do you believe your mission is more important than your life? Yeah, that's a problem for people that love me, right? Yeah. I do. Yeah. I do. And I, I posted, I did a little video on Facebook, a little four-minute video on my on um, my own Facebook the other day. Oh, I didn't and, see this. Um, yeah, and I talked about that. I, you know, I don't want to die, but there, I've been in, there's been bullets flying around my house. Yeah. And not just one shot, but, you know, like 50, 60 bullets right down my street and at my house. Yeah. Um, in just the last couple months. You know, I don't want to die. And that's, you know, that's a wrestler, right, with my great partnership with Kara right now. She's like, hey, we just, you know, met a year ago. Yeah. How can we keep this thing going? Like, it'd be great to say this doesn't affect us, except the flashes of guns were coming at us. Yeah. And it's not going to stop, right? I live in the hood. Right. And, but my calling is greater than my safety. And my... Life is not about protection. And I, I always want to live, you know, um, a life of significance, you know. And um, and for me, that comes with risk. And I got, I think I got mad street smarts. I've always, you know, I've been picking up hitchhikers since I was 16. And I got great street smarts. And I'm, I'm learning every day still. I surround myself, you know, with, with guys on the street that I'm always learning from. Mm-hmm. And I always want to educate me. I got a hundred guys who say nothing will ever happen to me, except none of them were there during those gunshots. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So I'm not, I don't want it. I don't want to have a tragic finish to that. Sure. And I, I don't want somebody to go nuts on me on the street. And sometimes, you know, guys will test me or do to some health issues. Um, bad things will happen, but I'm also not going to stop or back down, you know, um, a good friend of mine once told me a couple of years ago, staying in the same place, doing what you're doing, it's not going to get you to the place that God's already prepared for you. So that comes with risk. It comes with attention. Mm-hmm. It comes with stepping out. It comes with a push. And uh, I don't I don't see myself stopping at this point, you know? Yeah. I think it's going to get better and the calling's going to become fresher and newer. And I mean, I hope five years from now I can look and be like, oh my God, I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. Um, and that the impact is... Uh, it's worth it. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, God bless you and God bless Karen for being a, 
a true partner and a mm. true supporter. And that's huge. Um, you know, with two brothers in one retired now, but one still in military, you know, it's a kind of a conscious conversation. And that question doesn't come from dark space, you know, to right. be, to live recklessly. I mean, you're, you're living consciously and knowing that the mission is greater than one person. Yeah. Um, but the, and then you have to kind of pursue that fearlessly. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite quotes is Benjamin Franklin. I, I'd rather it be said, I, uh, he lived usefully than died rich. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so critical. Um, some people, you know, their their mission is, they're less adverse to yeah. harmful things happening. Um, and some not. And I, yeah. I don't know. But I also think you might just have something greater helping mm. protect you and look out, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, that I believe. Man, I, I'm also inspired. I'm like, man, we gotta, we gotta do some. Like, I, I'm confident what I do, and I know that it matters. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, talking to people like you is like, what else can I do, yeah. and how else can I show yeah. up? Yeah. So if people, you know, are always open to politics, um, is always open to receiving you know financial support that we buy shoes from. At this point, you know, we're. Um, you know, myself, anybody we partner with are all unpaid. Everything's going right into the mission. You know, maybe one day we'll get to someplace different. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now that's the that's the vision and goal. And to get so, you know, successful, um, air quote, uh, <laughs> you know, of what we're doing that, you know, to keep things going, we'll, we'll need to be at that place. I want to be bigger. You know, Montbell is next, but who yeah. knows what's coming after that, right? Yeah. And um so for, for that place of just some financial support, um, which people can do through the website, um, um, people can always donate shoes and you, know, you just get together some friends and say, hey, we're collecting shoes for kids feet. Like, you know, we're looking for sparkle shoes because that's what girls love, you know, and all dudes, you know, want black shoes. You know, my friends on this street are like, Tiger, you got any black shoes? Like, hey, lay off. You know, I'm going to charge all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and um, I've just partnered with a good friend of mine at the Reciprocity Collective that uh, gets folks off the street into housing. They do a bunch of house or um, uh, to work rather. Um, do work with the Denver Zoo and some other and uh, start a partnership with them and just trying to get new work shoes on their people's feet every time. And so things like that are building. And so we're always looking for just to donate. We really just stick with athletic shoes. And those are simple ways for us to say yes to. Okay. Um, Amazing. Yeah. Um, where So holykicks.org? Yep. Holykicks with a W-H-O-L-L-Y. Yes. Kicks.org. Instagram's the same. Yep. Um, our Facebook, um, I'm just, I know I'm not like the social media guy. I'm really under the, we're pretty good about it. Well, I love to be under the radar sort of guy. So that place of, you know, just generating some interest to see what's going on the street. I try to do some education, right? Some gentle posts to get people saying, Hmm, what's going on? Yeah. Um, yeah. So my personal Facebook at uh, Tyg Taylor, T-Y-J Taylor, is I probably post more on there than I do on the Holy Kicks because I, um, that's more about life in the hood. Okay. Um, I, you'll never see a picture of a hot dog that AA or you'll never see a picture of, you know, um, if you want basic come to my, yeah, you know, like, uh, you know, Karen and I on the hammock this week and you won't see that it's, exactly. I stick with street life. Um, it's intentional. If there is a branding piece to me, I'm trying to do that because I'm trying to stay focused on what life in the street looks like and try to encourage people to, to look at their own neighborhood, yeah. um, you know, to move beyond just, uh, um, thinking about stuff, but doing stuff. And um, people can always DM me on any of those as well. And if, you know, folks want to come out and experience what's it like to participate in an event or a shoe event like that, you know, try to limit my number of of white folks coming out and helping me do things. Um, okay. And um, 
but you know, there's always space for one or two. Um, I just try to be appropriate. Um, with, okay, so what, you might you try and keep it as diverse or minimal amount. Of, yep, yep. Because is it too much when there's like a bunch of white people coming in? Yeah, wh- white people on parade. That's what I call it. Oh, okay. Um, and that's just my personal agenda. So I'll bring sure. people out to the street with me to walk with me sometimes to teach them about the hood or poverty or I teach them just like how do you look at a for sale sign or a mattress in an alley? Like what does that mean? And try to get people to pay attention to their neighborhood. You can do that in a rich neighborhood. You know, what does a for sale sign look like in a rich neighborhood? Yeah. When you know that that, you know, mom's never home, right? right. What does that look like when, um, you know, a kid heads off to college and suddenly that couple's got to, they're on their own now. Like things are happening. You can pay attention to any neighborhood. And I try to teach people, how do you look in an impoverished neighborhood for those things? Right. So I'll do walks with people. You know, if anybody wants to come out with me and learn, um, okay. I can do that in, with small numbers as well. Um, and, my, and my friends on the street, you know. I try to be cool about that so that's not like, you know, um, poverty tourism, which totally. is super gross. Totally. Is it predominantly not white where you are? I mean, Colorado isn't yeah. that diverse compared to most states. Yeah. Um, Mo- most of my friends experiencing homelessness or folks that are just hanging on the block are um, mostly black, black, black French. Okay. Um, lots of Latinos live in my neighborhood. There's, um, and there's cultural differences about how folks interact. Um there's, you know, parks are different, certain places on the street are different, certain neighborhoods, certain um, hotel, motels are different, uh, day labor places focus different uh, things culturally, uh, lots of unspoken things that just exist. Okay. And those are all things I try to teach people, you know, probably nobody's paid attention to a pawn shop or cash checking or what a dollar store, how evil it is. And those right. are things I try to talk to people about, you know, Man. fight yeah. the power. Yeah. Oh. We've got like 25 podcasts we need to have after this. Um, that's amazing. I want to be sensitive of your time and you, you saving the world. I can only take so much of your energy <laughs> here. Uh, but I appreciate you. I appreciate obviously what you do, but your vulnerability and um, you as a human out there for other people mm. to see what you're doing and be inspired by your actions um, and really being a voice for all people. I mm. think that's really, really critical. Um, we got to check in in like six months. Yeah. And uh, see where Holy Kicks is taken off. I didn't realize you had just taken like the full leap um, into it because I think some really crazy, awesome things are going to happen yeah. pretty fast. Yeah. And, yeah. At this point, you know, we've done probably, I don't know, maybe about 400, 450 pairs of shoes. I mean, hopefully next year by really investing full time into this process, you know, we're going to be in a whole other world. Like yeah. start small, start now. Yeah. Yes. Your lips to God's ears. Um, and every entrepreneur that's out there that's thinking about doing something really good for the world, jump on in. Well, please check out Ty, check out Holy Kicks, check out what they've going on. Um, I will commit to doing at minimum one shoe drive, if you will, for you. I know some of the girls I trained with at Bladium, I I told them you were going to be on the cast and they're like, oh my, we want to go do what he's doing. Like, let us come out. And I'm like, all right, so I'll I'll commit to at minimum one event, but we'll definitely get in the mix. Um, and I would certainly love to help maybe in the sponsorship conversation Love and it. we might have some connects uh, i'm gonna put one of my friends sarah who works with finish line on the spot here i'll hit her up and we'll just see Love where it. we can yeah uh you know contribute to the cost. maybe we do a park wad and a little event afterwards yeah absolutely cool. i think i think more people um within the gym would be interested or maybe you already know that but i think people would be pretty game yeah for that kind of stuff 
Can't do it alone. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I will say I think the underlying tone of this conversation is support. Mm. Um, and really, and that's something in my life, if you look around my world, uh, I've been very adamant on doing things myself. Core value is, number two core value is independence. Um, but I've really learned over time how valuable support is mm. and how to really fully open up my world, still in progress, um, to that support and getting to the next step because you can't without it, yeah. regardless where you're at. Mm. Any parting quotes or notes or words? Yeah, just, uh, just have everybody uh, just ask themselves a little question, you know, who are you walking with? Yeah, oh, so well said. Ty, I appreciate you. Thank you for coming on. Um, like I said, we'll catch back up and uh, hopefully in a few months we're having an even more in-depth conversation about all the all the stuff you're doing. Awesome. Cool. Grateful. Cheers. I love it. Mm -hmm. uh, signing out. Thank you for tuning in and be sure to check out uh, Ty and Holy Kicks. Cheers. Thank you for joining Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Tune in next time and don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.